awesome. Do you want to stand with me and pray this one in? A little cheeky message for you. Uh, I love the, um, uh, the way I believe God's called us to do church is, is firstly to engage with him in heaven, but also to equip people for life. You know, so often you'll go to a church, and particularly if you're not used to church and maybe you're checking out what it all means for you, uh, we'll bang on and on and on about spiritual things that seem out there. But actually, most of what Jesus talked about was how to live this life well. And in doing that and buying into his principles, you find this connection with the Father, which leads you into eternity anyway. And and I want to really, especially for you guests, just to help you to grab hold of being the best version of you possible because God has made you special. And so celebrate your specialness and do really well in that. So, Father, I just pray, Lord God, that you just touch everyone here this morning. No matter where they stand with you right now, I pray, Lord God, that you would just reveal your Father's heart to all of us. Lord, for those of us who do life with you every day, I pray you'd take us deeper with you. For for those of us who are unsure about it all, I pray, Lord God, you'd reveal yourself in a special and unique way that that person would truly get. Lord God, but I just want to pray a blessing on everyone here before we even start in Jesus' name. All God's people said, turn to two people and say, this is going to be good. I heard someone say this is going to be awesome. You've ramped the bar up. I like it already. If you're, uh, if you're into titles, and I like a title, um, my title today is Over Familiarity Steals the Gift. And I want to kind of explore that concept, but again, primarily because I hope that you will go away and check out your own life and think, yes, this Christmas could be a time for me to stop and to consider who I am, what I'm about, the choices I'm making, and are they the things I want to do? Because how many of us know that life and years just by who, who thinks, I can't believe it's Christmas already? The years just go past. I don't know if it's because I'm really old now. But, but, you know, when I was at school, it didn't seem to go that fast. But now it's just like they're going past and they're going past. And if you're not careful, 10 years can go past and you find yourself not having achieved any of the things you dreamed about 10 years ago, not having had any of the relationships you hoped for, not in a financial position you wanted to be, not in a relational position you wanted to be. Life just happens to you instead of you happening to life. That concept of do we live or do we really live? And I just hope that maybe this Christmas will be a time for every one of you where you'll at least get a moment to stop and reflect and say, what am I actually about? What is my life counting for? What is it I want to do? 2017 potentially could be your best year yet. But the deciding factor is you. You know, God says in his word, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the problem's not with him. He's always been the same. He's always had the highest expectation for you. The question is, do you have the highest expectation for you? And so when you start living life like that, you can meet with his plan for you already and live the most outrageous life, or you can just go through the years and let life happen to you and think, well, it's always good for everyone else. But the truth is, it could be as good for you if you look at it that way. So we have this Christmas story, and... uh, Give me a wave if you are familiar with the Christmas story. (laughs) Come on, people. I love it that we get to go and celebrate with the schools. Those of you who've got children or grandchildren, you'll go and you will probably have seen a nativity play. Give me a wave if you've seen one or about to see one. And and the great thing is about it, it's it's the same story. But every school has a slightly different take on it, and, and often there is a comedy moment, isn't there? And uh, you get some little kid up there who's, who's you know, not learned his lines or not got the right gear on, or someone at Josh's, uh, Evie's carol concert then threw up on the stage, <laughs> like you do, and it stunk, and it was really hot, and it was just, oh, um, and then And then they went to a, an old people's home to sing carols, and it was so hot in the room, one of the kids fainted. 
It's just like you couldn't write it, could you? So there's never a dull moment, but I remember once when Josh was in junior school and um, they had this, this young lad and he was a proper character, Logan. You know he's going to be a character, he's Logan. And, uh, and, and he was up there and he was the donkey. And his, his class had made him this thing, you know where they put the little bit of tape around the back, but the face is like a, a donkey's face hanging down here. So you couldn't see him, just two eyes, which he thought was great. And, he, and as they were singing the songs, he was doing this. But as he was doing this, his head would go down, but the donkey would go up. And as he did that, the donkey would go the other way. And so everything he did, the face did the opposite. And he started to realize that's what was happening. And he massively overplayed it. So they're singing these songs, and there's the donkey doing all this dancing. And all the crowd, we were in the end, we were in absolute <laughs> stitches because of Logan. People love all that and they love to, to laugh and to enjoy the children. But then they had this moment where the local reverend gets up to share probably a one-minute message on what Christmas is really about. And you can just sense everyone in the room go, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, we've laughed at Logan, we've enjoyed the kids, we're here to celebrate Christmas. But when she actually says, this is what it's really about, the whole room goes... I felt so sorry for her. I said, I, mean, I think I'm a, I'm a decent speaker and hopefully I can engage with people. But I thought to myself, if that was me in this environment and you've got one minute, what could you say to engage with people? So I was feeling her pain and she was being all enthusiastic and probably over-enthusiastic, but she was going for it. But the whole room was like, get her off. Come on, we know this stuff. This is boring. Do you know? And it's because we all know the story, we're so familiar with the story, but in becoming so familiar with the story, it's lost its impact. And I think that's one of the saddest things in the history of man. The trouble I have with all of this is, is that actually what happens in life? That we get so familiar with our lives that we don't see the gifts that are right in front of us. Do you know what even happened to Jesus? Jesus had four brothers. He had James and Jude, Joseph and Simon. And they were brought up and lived with God himself. They lived with the light of the world. Love personified. They lived with the king of kings. And yet they didn't see it in him. They took him for granted. I'll show you some verses soon. They even took the mickey out of him. The gift of God was right in their home living with them. But they became so familiar with him, they didn't see it. The one that was going to change the world for all eternity was living in their house and they didn't see it. You see, at 12 years old, Jesus was chatting with the Pharisees and, and learning with, the, with the, the teachers of the word. And he was asking these questions and they were like, wow, this lad is incredible. Everyone was celebrating Jesus. Can you imagine being his brother? Oh, shock. They all love Jesus. He's the most popular. Everyone loves Jesus. You can imagine having a little chat. Bear in mind, these are real people. Who knows if you've got four kids and one of them's doing really well, the other three are like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Because it's real. They actually lived together in a home. They were people. And so Jesus was celebrated and Jesus did this and Jesus did that. How did his brothers feel about that living with it? They were missing it and it was right in front of them. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. John 7 verse 2 through 5 says this. When the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee, go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure, in act, um, in a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing all these things, show yourself to the, word, to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe him. So when you read that, in that tone I've said, it, it doesn't mean too much. 
But when you realize the tone, it, they're really saying this. If you're going to do all these amazing miracles, go and do it somewhere else so they can see you. Because who's going to be public if they're going to do everything in, in private? They're taking the mickey out of him. They're saying, well, go on then. Get out there and do it. If you're silently being good, get out there. And Jesus is actually saying, well, it's not my time yet, guys. See, Jesus, even through the midst of his own brothers taking the mick out of him, maintained his peace. He knew who he was, what he came to do, and where he was going. And nothing was going to detract him from that, and it didn't bother him. If your own family are absolutely ripping you, does it bother you? Probably. But Jesus' own brothers didn't see it. If you're there doing all this amazing stuff, get out there and do it. Because who does this stuff in private? What's the point of that? They're taking the mick out of him. It ramps up. Mark, two, Mark 3, verses, verse 21 says this. Jesus has been invited to a house and he started teaching and people heard Jesus there and this massive crowd has developed in the house and it gets back to Jesus' family. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he's out of his mind. You see, Jesus, the gift of heaven on earth, doing amazing things attracting a crowd, but his own family couldn't see it. To the point they were saying, you're an absolute nutter. You've lost it. Let's go and get him out of there. This is getting embarrassing for the family now. His own family was so familiar with Jesus, they didn't even see it themselves. And it's just got me thinking, you know, as we enter into Christmas and we enter into the, 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 the time we're going to have, is that the life we're living? Because it's a theme that flows through the Bible. Let me show you another passage. It's here in Matthew 13, verses, verse 57. They took offense at him, Jesus, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town or his own home. You see, what happens is you get amazingly gifted people, but no one who is close to them acknowledges the gift because they're over-familiar. You know, we've got great gifts. So Ingrid here went and preached um, a couple of weeks ago in New Malden in West London. And I've had good feedback. Oh, Ingrid's amazing. Ingrid's that. Ingrid this. Ingrid's this. Ingrid. I mean, I've got to meet this Ingrid. She's flipping awesome. But the reality is Ingrid is here. And she is flipping awesome. But because we know her and do life with her, do we take Ingrid for granted? And the answer to that question is yes. Because it's, that's what we do. We get on with it. But when Ingrid takes the same Ingrid into another environment, they're like, Ingrid! <laughs> and it could be the same about any of you. You know, Dan Mills. Dan Mills is a phenomenal drummer. Phenomenal drummer. I want to big you up publicly, Dan. Love the Dan Meister. Brilliant. But we take it, I'm telling you now, if Dan went to another church and said, Could, I'll play the drums for you and got up there, they'll be like, Dan Mills! Amazing! Changes the environment. But because we see him every week, we get familiar with that. And of course, that is part of life. And we can't every week, Dan walks in, go, Dan, we love you, you're amazing. Oh, oh, oh. Or Ingrid, or you can do that to me if you want. But you see my point? There is great gifting sat right next to you. Right now, the person sat next to you is incredible. And I don't know how close to that person you are, but if you do life with them, I guarantee you this. Because we're people, you'll have become familiar with them and their gifting and all they carry, and you will be taking it for granted. And I want to shift that. Because we should be celebrating the very people right in the midst of our lives, the very people God has called us to do life with. We should look at them and say, wow. Let me ask you a question. Do you take your spouse for granted? 
you know, you've lived together. Give me a wave if you've been married for 15 years or more. In fact, can you stand up because we want to celebrate you. If you've been married for 15 years or more, let's see, your, let's see your faces. Let's give these people a round of applause. So, so awesome. You can sit yourselves down. If you chatted to people who led that kind of lifestyle, they will have some great advice for you. And part of that, I am sure, will be never take each other for granted. What if you woke up one day and your partner says, fed up of this? It's one of those situations like, wow, didn't see that coming. But the reason you will get there is because you started taking them for granted. When you met each other in the honeymoon period, you wake up in the morning, you send them a text, you're giving them a phone call, you're thinking about them, you're looking at the picture on the wall of them, it's all this, that and the other. Fifteen years down the line, are you still doing that? And maybe you're not. But maybe there should be a deeper level of the same feeling that's developed through the years. That you don't look at her or him and think, oh, same old person. Actually, we should be celebrating the fact that that person has decided to live with you forever. Fair play says. <laughs> Do you see what I'm trying to say? Do you take your parents for granted? Someone coughed right there. <laughs> Do you know? Lots of students here. I should imagine that your parents are either funding or part funding or playing a part in what you're doing. Do we take that kind of thing for granted? Because they don't have to do it. Josh has got something coming. <laughs> no, seriously. But do we? You know, do we take our grandparents for granted? You know, I mentioned my, my nan earlier in the service and I, she passed away and I was really touched and moved that as part of her request was that I would lead the service and the funeral. And so I got to lead the service and speak at my own nan's funeral. What a moment for me and, and for the family. And I was, got myself together, I was a bit choked up to start with, but it was, I really loved doing it. But the reason I had that is because I had a relationship with her. And she saw something in me. She didn't take me for granted. I reflect and think, did I take her for granted? This amazing woman. Every single year, she would give our children £100. Every year. She was, was she 97 when she, 97 years old, and she was still giving all of the grandchildren a hundred pound. And you almost, you knew it was going to arrive, you knew it was going to arrive, but she was consistent. She had made a decision on how she was going to live her life. And in the end, do you take it for granted? I don't know what your family looks like, but I'm asking you today, over this Christmas period, are you so familiar with the people in your world that you're missing the gift that they're bringing to you? Are you familiar with your job? So many of us, I'm sure, would like a better job or a different job. But how about celebrating the job you do have? Your boss, your co-workers, people you're doing life with. You can see it's so familiar with things that you miss it. Are you too familiar with your church? We all just assume we're all going to rock up each week and celebrate together. And great, and let's continue that. But how about while we're doing that, celebrate each other, that we've made a choice to do this life together? And to make a difference in our town together, let's not get it so familiar with it. We're a family. Are you too familiar with yourself and your own norms? Things like, well, this is how it always works out for me. I'm not going to be able to achieve that. And the reason you're saying that is because you've got so familiar with your life that it's just become who you are when you were never that person at the beginning. But over the course of time, your expectations dipped, your, your belief in your own giftings dipped. Maybe people have said things to you and somewhere in it all, that's become who you are. It was never who you were at the beginning. And you become so familiar with yourself that your expectations and aims and hopes for your future are down here when God always wanted them up there. And you become so familiar with your own little life that you miss your own gift. 
And I want to challenge you. You could carry on living like that, and you may be reasonably happy. Or you could take a moment, based on someone like me saying this, to say, okay, what do I really want to achieve? Who do I really want to be? What do I really want to be about? And stop and take a hold of your own life and start believing in yourself again. Take a hold of who you are and say 2017 is going to be my best year because I'm going to make it happen. And as you make it happen, I know this, God will back you because he loves you and he wants to see you do well. Don't get so familiar with yourself that you miss the own, your own gifting that's right under your nose. Jesus' brothers lived with Jesus, actually Jesus, and missed it. So on that base, wouldn't it be easy to miss other giftings that you carry, that your family carry, that your church carries? Do you see what I'm trying to say? And it's all based on over-familiarity. People come to a nativity play at this time of year and they're so familiar with the message, they're missing the message. Enjoying the kids, but missing it. It's a challenge for the church, that. Because the message is the best message in the whole world and always will be. Are you familiar with that whole concept that you only realise what you had when it's gone. And that's a real sad thing. You know, whether it's a breakup, whether it's a death, whether it's an injury, something that steals what you've been taking for granted all these years. And I, I played football for many years and I've told lots of stories and it's part of my story. And I got to play football for, for money and get paid for something I love doing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But I know this, I made the best of it. I chat to people and they say things to me like, Oh, well, I was on trial at Chelsea, and I could have done this, and I couldn't do yeah, but, but then girls came along, and drink came along, and I ended up playing for the dog and duck, but I was really good. <laughs> and it's like, well, great, but you know what? You missed it. You had gift in your life to the level you were on trial at Chelsea Football Club, and you ended up playing for the dog and duck. I've got a career where I can say, I made some money. I played in front of 25,000 people. I signed some autographs. I was on TV. Why? Because I recognised the gift in myself and I went for it. Now I've got some stories to tell. I can't do what I used to do. Up here, I'm brilliant. <laughs> no one can do me up here. But I'm 45. I know I don't look it. <laughs> and the old legs aren't as quick as they used to be. But at least in my time, I made the best of it. I celebrated what I had. I didn't make it to the Premier League, but I had a good go. And I've got some stories to tell. So many people want to tell you what they could have done. Don't be that person. How about get a grip of your life today so that in 27, 2017, you get to this stage of next year and you say, do you know what? This has been an epic year. I've made it count. I've pushed some doors. I didn't succeed at everything, but do you know what? I had a go. Rather than tell everyone what you could have been, what you could have done, what your hopes were, but you didn't really fulfill them. Why? Because you got so familiar with your own little life that you're missing the gift of you. And I think God wants you to grab a hold of that because you are too, too important for all those things. How about be the best spouse now? How about take a reflection right now and say, am I treating my partner how I really wanted to? Or has the time and the years gone by and I'm just going through the motions? How about be the best parent now? Bring up your kids exactly how you always wanted to. Maybe some of you are doing that. God bless you. But being a parent's tough, really tough. But how about be the best? How about be the best worker, the best entrepreneur? Who knows that God is stirring up kingdom entrepreneurs right now? 
there are young people and old people who are getting ideas, business ideas, and starting businesses because God needs to bring finance into the kingdom so that we can change the world. If that's you, go for it. Come and talk to me about it because I'm leading a group. That I'm getting a gathering a group together to say, come on, let's, let's pursue this. Let's do it now. Rather than in 10 years' time say, well, I had this idea and I just went down the usual route and I missed it. You don't have to do that. Let's do it now. Turn to the person next to you and say, now, let's do it now. Is it true of our relationship with God? This same concept. Have a look here in Song of Solomon. Now, I've taken this from the message just because it's just great language. Solomon, the Songs of Solomon 5 and verses 4 through 7 or 4 to 6 says this. My lover wouldn't take no for an answer. And the longer he knocked, the more excited I became. I got up to open the door to my lover, sweetly ready to receive him. It's a bit, bit, bit Fifty Shades, this, isn't it? <laughs> I've gone and lost the crowd, haven't I? <laughs> sweetly ready to receive him, desiring and expectant as I turned the door handle. But when I opened the door, he was gone. My loved one had tired of waiting and left, and I died inside. Oh, I felt so bad. I ran out looking for him, but he was nowhere to be found. You see, people talk about the word, but do you know the word? Because actually, that's how God sees you. It's the lover of your soul. He loves you, genuinely. He wants that intimacy with you. And so often he's knocking at the door and he's knocking at the door and you know he's there and you may believe him in a bit or you may not or you may engage with him a bit but he's knocking at the door and he's saying, I want to be intimate, I want to know you. I want to do this thing together, I want to take you on a journey. I want it to be this partnership between me and you. And all the time you've been, yeah, I know he's there, I know he's there one day. Do we live this life that says one day? Tomorrow I'm going to get serious about my relationship with God. Tomorrow I'm going to... Get involved. Tomorrow I'm going to start my prayer life. Tomorrow I'm going to seek after him. Tomorrow. And who knows tomorrow never comes. It's always tomorrow. And what the word is saying here is he was knocking at the door and it was exciting. And I liked the way God was chasing me down. And eventually, after a while, I thought, well, I better go. I was the door. And when I opened, he'd given up. He was gone. And the truth is that God says in his word, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I believe that's true. But the trouble is this. Do we base our life on that concept that God's always going to be there, he's always going to be there, he's always, I'm going to do whatever I want, but he's going to be there and it'll be okay. Or do we base our life on, actually, he's knocking at my door and I need to respond now. Do we base our life on honour and reverence to a holy God who's so in love with you? Or do we hold him there till tomorrow, till tomorrow, till tomorrow, just assuming that he's never going to leave? But there is an incident where he says, enough. And I don't want us to be so familiar with this concept of a loving father that we don't engage with him now and get so familiar and miss it because God wants you to have the most incredible life. Like I said earlier, most of Jesus' teaching was actually about how to have the best life now. Most of the church's teaching is about how to have eternity. And for most people, eternity is a real wrestle to get your head around because we live in the concept of time. And yet Jesus came and said, live like this, do it this way. Love people, love the Father, bless people, look out for people who are struggling, care for the widow and the orphan. His teaching was about having the best life now. 
He talked about how to handle your finance and be blessing people and save some and great life principles. It's all in there. Why? Because he wants you to succeed. He genuinely wants you to succeed. And he's knocking at your door. But are we doing that? And say, tomorrow, God, I'm going to get really serious about you. Tomorrow, I'm going to pray. Tomorrow, I'm going to do it your way. Tomorrow. On the assumption that he's never going to go. Or are we going to say, I'm not going to be so familiar with this concept, but today I'm going to make a choice to say, I engage with you. I'm going to start living your way. Proverbs 9, 10 says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's not like being scared, fear like, oh, there's God. It's reverence. Fear is this, this holy reverence to say, I honor you. You made me. You know what's inside of me, and I know you want to pull it out of me, so I'm going to engage with you. And I don't even know what that looks like right now, but I'm going to start. For some people, it might just be, God, I acknowledge you. That's a start. For some people, you may have been living with him, but actually what he's looking for you is to, to start giving him some time every day. For some of you, it might be that he's calling you to serve in an area in church or in the town or whatever it might be, but he's calling you into a relationship with him, not keeping him there till tomorrow and being so familiar with where you're at in your faith journey that he's pulling you forward. Once Jesus died, he got back up. And then his brothers changed. Look at this with me. Acts 1 verse 14 says this. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Isn't it interesting? The same lads who were taking the mickey out of Jesus and saying he's gone mad. Now he's actually done what he said he was going to do. Now they're getting serious about it. Because they gathered together and said, we're seeking you. We're honoring you. We're constantly in prayer. Because now he's gone. They realize what they had. See, this is biblical principle that we all understand in life because it happens to each of us. Jude, his brother, even writes a book in the Bible. Jude 1, verse 1, says this in the New Living Translation. This letter is from Jude. This is how he describes himself. A slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to write a letter. But what's changed at one point, Jude was saying, you are mad. You're a nutter. Stop it. At one point, Jude was saying, if you're so amazing, get out there and do it again. But at this point, he says, I serve you. At this point, he says, come on, you're all called into this relationship. Jude gets real. And I wonder how many of us are on this journey from where Jude was to where Jude is. And I know God is calling every single one of you. James writes a book. James 2 verse 1 says this. My brothers and sisters, believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And he won't show favoritism. Here's James again saying, Jesus, if you're so good, get out there and show it then. James, the one who was saying, let's get him out of there, he's gone mad. is now saying, our glorious Jesus. The language has changed. What changed? I think one of the things that changed is they stopped being so familiar with their brother and realized who he was and what he was carrying and started to buy into his gift rather than taking for granted what they saw in front of them. You see, you might see Dan Mills and have an opinion on Dan Mills, but his gift changes atmospheres. You might have an opinion on Matt Beals, but when he gets on the keys and leads the team, his gift changes lives. You might have an opinion on me, but I know that when I speak, God connects with people. 
And it's not because I'm great, but God's given me something and I'm tapping into what God's given me. There are people in there working with children. Most of us couldn't do that, but their gift changes things. And the idea here is let's not get so familiar with each other. Let's pull out the gift and bring honor and reverence to that so that people can flourish and lives get changed. Does it have to take someone dying to make you stop? Does it have to take a breakup to stop? Does it have to take an injury to stop? Does it have to take a job loss to stop? Or could actually this Christmas be a pause to say, what am I doing with my life? How am I living? How am I treating the people around me? Is there honor here? Am I just drifting? And I would say most people in the world drift. Most. Not everyone, but most. So therefore, probably most of the people in this room are drifting. And I want to say, come on, you're better than that. Don't get so familiar with the people around you, with the, the offer of Jesus, with yourself. Just take a pause and reflect. What do you want your life to be about? See, Jesus lived with purpose. He would say things like, I'm about my father's business. I only do what I see the father's doing. He would say things like, care for the poor. He would say things like, I came for freedom. Every time he opened his mouth, it was with purpose. And the great thing is this. He says, I go to my father, but I send the Holy Spirit, and he will live in you. So if you're willing, he will say, I'm going to come and live in your heart. And there we have the privilege of continuing what Jesus was always about. The church carries the power and authority of Jesus. If the world is going to change, I promise you this, it's going to change through the church. So therefore, should we be over familiar with our message or should we be about the Father's business? And we need to stir each other up constantly about that. That is why I believe in connect groups. Because hopefully you will grab something out of a message like this. But when you get in a room with six people, you can say, what did that mean to you? What's happening in your, can I pray for you? And you can respond and say, yeah, but and how about you? Because everyone here will be thinking something slightly different about what I'm saying. Someone might be thinking, this is a load of rubbish. But I guarantee you there's some people here saying, yeah, I needed to hear that. And I'm going to change. And being in a small group, you get to work that out together. I encourage you to get in one if you're not in one. Do we live with reverence? Or have we got so familiar with our concept of church that we're going, even the church is going through the motion? Our, our town cannot be the same if the church stands up. And I wonder if next year is the year that we all collectively say, come on, let's really see something change then and do it together. So with Christmas, as I just round this off a little bit, we're all familiar with a story. But I want to say this. Have you picked this little version up? Hope was born in chaos. I wonder how Mary and Joseph are feeling because obviously we picture the stable, but probably the, the, the greater likelihood is that this room would have been at the bottom of someone's house, a family member's house, where they kept their animals. And so Mary and Joseph have arrived. They're late and they're unorganized. Anyone buying into that concept? They're late and they're unorganized. How's Mary feeling right now? She is nine months pregnant She's just done this great long journey on a donkey, by the way. And Joseph hasn't booked a room. How's that going down? <laughs> He's like, it'll be all right, we'll sort something out. There's no room at the inn, there's no room at the inn, there's no room at the inn. But they've got a family and they said, well, we've got a stable and we picked it a stable. But probably more likely it's a room at the bottom of their house where they kept the animals. That means that their guest rooms were being used by the rest of the family. How does Mary feel? Has anyone ever felt really abused by your own family? She is about to give birth. She, well, she actually...
actually gives birth in the, in the animal's room while the rest of the family are upstairs in bed. What? How does she feel? That must have been physically challenging, emotionally challenging. She must have been hurt. She was let down by her husband. She was let down by her family. She was, this chaos was going on around her. There is the cattle are lowing. Push, Mary. <laughs> we sing these songs, but picture it really. How horrendous is that? And yet what happens? Right in the midst of this woman going through all this horrendous emotional and physical stuff, the Prince of Peace is born. The hope of the world arrives. God has even prepared it that there are wise men bringing gifts for kings. And we, we have these pictures, don't we, of you know, frankincense and myrrh and these little kings with these little... They are kings. Who knows if the king of any nation comes to bring you a gift, it's not going to be this big. A gift from a king is going to be monstrous. And so in the midst of all this chaos and this being let down, this emotional stuff she's going through, peace is born. Gifts arrive. Hope is born. And I believe there's a theme right there that we could grab hold of. Because so many people are living in the midst of chaos. You're being let down by people you didn't think you'd get let down by. It happens to all of us. Let's do our best not to let people down. But the truth is, we will let people down. Because we're people, we're human, we make mistakes. But let's at least have the heart not to let people down. But it's going to happen. And in the midst of that, it's like, oh, for crying out loud, I can't believe that. You get tormented inside and you're like, ah! And if you're not careful, you become that person full of bitterness. Or you can let it go and say, in the midst of all that, I know peace can be born. In the midst of my struggle, my wrestle, my turmoil, my, my physical pain maybe, God's bringing wise people in your life to bring gifts that will set doors open for you. You see, we're so familiar with the story, but there are aspects to the story we've never tapped into. And I want to suggest to you today that we shouldn't be so familiar, yet going through difficulty and not be expecting that peace can come through it, that provision can come through it, that hope can come through it. Because that's what happened for Mary. And that was the first Christmas that we're celebrating at this time of year. Would you stand? I'd love to pray with you. Let me just invite you just to close your eyes. If you're willing, let's just pray together. It gives the person next to you a bit of privacy, which is always helpful. Lord, I want to thank you for gathering brilliant people. Everyone here unique. Everyone here so, so gifted and talented. Thank you for each other. Lord, I want to pray that some of the things I've said might just sink in with some people. That we would indeed take a pause. Reflect on who we are and what we're about and how we're treating people and situations around us that we wouldn't become so familiar with our little lives that we just miss it. Lord, I pray for decisions to be made on lifestyle that would mean 2017 is different. I want to thank you that in the midst of all the chaos, peace arrived. And let me declare that over you again, church. Peace to you in Jesus' name. Whatever your situation, peace to you. Jesus' name.
I want to thank you, Lord God, that you were sending provision. Mary didn't know it. Joseph didn't know it. But you'd already arranged it. It was on its way. And I want to declare provision over every person here. That in 2017, they're going to be like, how are we going to be able to do this? But you're already sending the provision. Let that be something that we grasp out of this morning, I pray. Lord, I want to stand with some people who maybe on reflection have felt like they've become so familiar with you. That you've been knocking on the door looking for deepness and intimacy and doing life together and they're just enjoying you knocking and not answering. And just with every eye closed, I always like to give opportunity. Are you someone today who's been keeping Jesus at arm's length? And today's the day you want to say, yeah, I really want to open my door to you today. I want to do this life together. I don't want to be so familiar with you that I miss the gift of who you are. If that's you today, let me pray with you. Give me a wave and I'm going to pray with you. God bless you over there. God bless you there. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else who says, today's the day I want to be right. I don't want to miss it anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you there. That's a couple of people responding. Let's pray together. I'll pray line you pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. I accept your offer to live in my heart, to lead me forward, and to be my king. Thank you that my life can never be the same, because you're in it. And all God's people said...